Welcome to another episode of Catholics at Home. On today's show, she was born in a village called Calverley in rural Ireland. In 1955, she came to Malaya bearing the gifts of family, feeling joy and openness that looked past difference and enthusiasm that fueled every action and burned as a fire in the hearts of the people she touched. She is the founder and first principal of SMK Asunta. Today, Catholics at Home have all access to Datin Paduka, Sister Anna Ryan. But first, before we bring on our special guests, let me invite Father Clarence Devadas to join the conversation. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Father. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Fantastic. So today's guest is someone that we've been eyeing for a while now. We wanted to get her on for a while to talk about her experience and her life and vocation here in Malaysia. 
looking forward to it. That's right. You know, when I was when I was ordained, uh, first ordained, I was posted to Assumption Church in PJ. You know, and you know, when you talk to some of them, and it says, you know, which school do you go to, you know, Asunta, and and the name that is kind of synonymous with Asunta is Sister Ender. You know, uh, yes. so you know, uh, even before I met her, when I came to the parish, people were already talking about this great legend uh, in the mm. field of education. And I've met him on many occasions, and it's a pleasure to have her here in our, on our show. Yes. Well, to be honest, I have not met her personally, but I did hear of the legendary Sister Enda when I was very young because I did go to Asunta Kindergarten. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, something, you know, I'm really excited for today's show. And, you know, let's not waste any more time and bring on our very special guests. Datin Paduka, Sister Enda. Okay. Good afternoon, Sister. How are you? Okay, Kevin. Fine, thank you. Yes, hanging in there. <laughs> hanging in there. Looking Hi, very sister. well, Sister. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Father Clarence. I call you the editor of Can Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so I said I was just telling Kevin. You know, you 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 saw me as a young priest. I'm still young, sister. I'm not very old, but <laughs> yeah. My first posting, uh, you were there in Assumption the Church. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We've had so many of the parish priests down the year. What year would that have been, Father? 1997. Oh, no. Oh. 1997. Just before I was kicked out of the school. <laughs> when people ask when did you resign I say we didn't resign we were kicked out <laughs> Mark, in May 1989 we were told to leave because we turned 60 you know we were supposed to have gone on till 65 but suddenly this letter came so all the St. Saviour's Book of Nanus, Malacca, St. Paul Sarembert, all the heads happy must leave by the end of the month, so that was just before you. But you were you 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 were living, you were living just behind the church. If I if I'm if I remember correctly at that time, I think so. Yes, we hadn't yeah. come over here yet. Yes, that's right. So you used to come to daily daily morning mass. Uh, at one stage, I was down what is now the Befrienders. We called it Wisma Miriam. That was a corner house there. Now it is the counseling house. That's it must right. have been that uh, time. And uh, now it's called the Befrienders. So I might have been there then. But I've moved around to Kampong Tunko. I've been in Villa Hermine also at different stages. Yeah. Wow. Well, certainly a uh, lot of memories to talk about on this show today. But uh, sister, let's go right back to the beginning. Uh, what brought you to Malaysia or Malaya back then? What brought me to? Yeah, I yeah. suppose because I'm FMM, and uh, when I had uh, finished my my training in Ireland, uh, then I was chosen to come as missionary. Do you want to talk a little bit earlier why I became a sister? Yes, yes, we would like that. That's right, because I tell us, tell us a little bit about your 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 family. I mean. You're yes. born in your family. Tell us a bit about that. Not many people know that part of you. That's right. I'm from a small little village called Galbally, 
and we always say it's the foot of the beautiful Gerti Mountains, which have a big influence influence on our lives, I think. When you grow up in the beautiful um, surroundings, it affects your whole, your spirituality, your outlook on life. So we will always say, I'm from the foot of the Galti Mountains. And uh, I'm from a family of seven, uh, four girls and three boys. And I suppose, uh, like people ask, why did you become a nun? I said, I suppose in the Ireland of those days, most people were Catholics. I think in our whole parish, there was only one Protestant family. Everybody else was Catholic. And I suppose in the home also, we had rosary every night and every we lived back. The back wall of our house was the side wall of the church. So we're popping in and out to the Blessed Sacrament every now and again. The church became kind of an integral part of our lives. And then uh, when it came to, to uh, secondary school, my mother chose the Ursuline Convent for boarding school. So I was there for five years. And again, I suppose a lot of influence from the sisters there. And um, we always had, every year we had sisters coming in, looking for people, you know, to, to join their order. And um, as I came towards the end, my catechism, I think catechism teachers have a big influence on children's lives, at least in mine anyway. It was really my, I suppose, my Catholic teacher, Mother Eucaria, who really influenced us, you know, to make up our minds and to see what we do and not to forget Ireland is only one little island on the edge of Europe that there are so many people who have never heard of Christ. And I suppose gradually day by day and annual retreats and all that, we were kind of, um, if you like, brainwashed to think of before you do anything else, think of the religious life. So being the kind of tomboyish person that I was, I was putting it on the long finger for a long time. And then I think the lots of influences, but I love poetry. And I think uh, Francis Thompson's The Hound of Heaven was influencing me a lot when I was trying to make up my mind, what will I do after my, what we call sixth form year. And my mother was hoping I'd go to university with my elder sister. But um, during my retreat at that time, I was very much uh, thinking of shade of his hand outstretched caressingly, that the lovely words of Thomas, the Hound of Heaven, um, influenced me a lot. Fondest, blindest, weakest, it is I that thou seekest, thou drivest love from thee who drivest me. And I realized during the retreat, I was all the time pushing away the idea because when I was only five already, I think, another nun who was a missionary, I think she was IJ's sister, actually, and she was from Japan and a friend of my mother's, and she came to visit us. And I had never seen anybody who wasn't Irish. And when she took out the photos and showed, and I saw this P. 
people who look so different. I was saying, oh, aren't they very strange? How funny looking. Mina, don't forget. By the way, in the family, I'm Mina from Philomena. These have souls, you know, these people have souls. And somebody should go and tell them about Jesus. That was when I was five. But of course, I put it to the back of my mind. But when it came to deciding, that would have been with me still. And I was thinking, you know, what, uh, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And I would have remembered the words. She was also Mother Ender, by the way, my mother's friend. Uh, I.J. sister, you would all know the I.J.'s, the book of Nana's Nuns. Um, then uh, somebody would have asked me, why FMM? Why not I.J.? Why not Ursuline? Where I was, and uh, I don't know. Would it be interesting? I, like, when I was looking at my book last night, I saw that um, about um, 2011, nine years ago, one of our FMM sisters from India came here to give us our annual retreat. Not India, from uh, she's USA. Sorry, Miss Sister Mary Mott. And then she asked us at the end of the retreat, come up and tell us why you became an FMM, you know, not any other order. And most people came up and said, spoke it. But normally in these occasions, I will have the tendency to compose a song quickly. So I did one. Would it be interesting if I sang it now? Yes. Yes. Like to, why FMM, the spirituality, even though I'm going to a missionary, there were tons of different nuns coming every time. And this is what I stood up and sang. It was here in Asunta Convent in uh, 19, 2011. <clears throat> I did it to the tune of When Irish Eyes Are Smiling. It's a bit long, but does it matter? Please, if please go ahead, go ahead. All right. Way back in 47, when deciding a way of life, our school was plagued with sisters of every form and type who'd come promoting vocations in habits of every shape, trying to catch perspective, perspectives to add to the mission landscape. In Africa, there are babies who never have been baptized. I hear you are all Catholic and never have realized that pearl of price, the greatest. Now don't you want to share with those who don't know Jesus, his loving and tender care? So down on my knees for long hours, my qualifications I'd review. To see if I'd ever make it, spending hours in a convent pew. 
till one day appeared Mother Fergus, who'd been head girl in our school, in all white flowing garments, what nowadays we'd all call cool. As she spoke of life in Baden, okay. no, oh, sorry, sorry, I thought. <laughs> You touched something else. Food, is it? <laughs> As she spoke of life in Liberia, through their sweat and storms and tears, how their Eucharistic Jesus was their strength throughout their years. How Franciscan joy had sustained them the, though thousands of miles from home, how their sisters in China had been martyred, and their mother house in Rome. Quite smitten by all this input, I must surely had to think if the Lord had given me talents that with FMMs would link a tomboyish way of behaving, but a good sense of humor too, a special love for the Eucharist, and an academic gift or two. So, it was 67 then, now it's something more. For 64 years I've been trying, with help from the Lord on high, to live the FMM charism, with Mary I magnify the Lord, through whose gifts I've been chosen, this path of the FMM, striving joyfully, Eucharistically to daily keep saying Amen. Wonderful. Uh, I think, you know, the, it's the Franciscan spirit and the Eucharist and the mission. That was really why the three main things, I suppose, that attracted me to the FMMs. Right. So, sister, you came. You came here in in which year, sister, to Malaya at that time? Yeah. In... Yeah. Could I just say that just before I finished, because it's connected when I arrived, when I was finishing off, I was doing my, we finished the degree in Galway University, I was doing my diploma in education one day, and we were a group of us, two or three of us. Going back to college, we just walked out the convent door and this big car drove up, a real posh-looking car. And out came this chap. We didn't know who he was. And he came up the steps and he said, I'm from a place called Malaya. I'm the attorney general. And I'm looking for sisters to come to start a school. And we said, oh, call, go in and see Reverend Mother and we'll see what happens. So we went back to college and I finished and then I came. Um, um, I was When I finished, we were going to Rome for the beatification of Blessed Assunta. 
in, uh, that was the end of, I left January, you know, December the 29th of uh, 54, I left from Naples. But October, I left Ireland, 54, and we went to Rome for the, you know, Blessed Assunta. That's why the school and the hospital and all around that time got the name, because Blessed Assunta, who had died in China, was being beatified by Pope Pius XII. And those of us who were leaving for the mission, because of that, went to Rome. And it was in Rome then that one night the sisters had come, of course, from all over the world for that. And after dinner, I got a call to go to this the provincial of then, I think it was Indonesia, Australia, uh, Malaya, um, Burma, this time was the provincial, and wanted somebody to come for to start the school. And lo and behold, I was the one who was chosen to come. And then when I actually got to Malaysia and got out of the train in KL, again, this big posh car drove up. And it was the driver of Sir Michael Hogan, who was the attorney general, who sent his driver to fetch me here from the train. We, we are a boat. We came by boat, by the way, from Naples. It took three weeks to get here. Uh, on the way, uh, spent one night in our house in Karachi, another night in our house in Bombay, another night in our house in Sri Lanka, Ceylon then. We were running the general hospital then. And then we landed in Singapore three weeks later and took the train up then to KL. And there was the same Sir Michael Hogan welcoming me at the, well, his driver, you know, later he came to the hospital. So that's a kind of a, a long-winded answer <laughs> to how I came to Malaysia. Since we are in the spirit of, of Malaysia, Merdeka and Malaysia Day, what was, what was Malaya like, sister, when you arrived? What was Malaya like? Oh, my goodness. I mean, well, first of all, we just saw PJ. There was only the old Klang Road, you know, from KL out to Pataling Jaya. And there was only the old town. There was no new town. And just up on the, the there were three bungalows up on the, as you go up to the new town, that was the town engineer. And the, they were all uh, Orang Pute. One was a Scotsman. He happened to be Catholic. McWilliams, who was the first engineer. But there were only three houses up there and nothing between where the hospital is now and the old town. It was all blank. But, of course, people start coming and it starts developing, but very underdeveloped at that time. Bus, we had to go by bus, bus it out. And, of course, the conditions were... Nowadays, we have the, our nice rooms with our aircon and our fans. Those days, I remember, we had only half wall, not even windows, just wire mesh. And if it rained, sometimes in bed, we had to have the umbrella to keep <laughs> the rain from coming in. Very, very basic. Very Franciscan, a good start, good start to mission life. You know, expected it to be tough. And, you know, and we were young then and able to take things. I wonder now in my 90s if I could 
Tahan, all that. I don't know. <laughs> and so, and so, when you came when to when you came to Pataling Jaya, was there a house already for the FMMs, or did you have to set it up? Uh, no, they had moved up. You see, they had started down in the old town in Road Four. Um, it's down now near where we have the AC, the Center for the Children of Refugees. We call the Center Children's Society in that part, in the Road Four. There's Road One. Uh, you know, the roads come two, four, six, eight, ten, and the others. So it's very near the railway line down there. The sisters had a very simple house. But uh, by the time I came, uh, there was a, that was about two years after they started. There were two uh, low, uh, bungalows, just single bungalows, here on Jalan Asunta. There was no school there, no hospital just two bungalows, and one of the bungalows was called the Ave Maria Maternity Home. We had a maternity hospital, and the other one at the side of it was the first Asunta convent. There was no Assumption Church. We had the priests from Holy Rosary. Most of them then were MEP priests. There were very few local priests then, and they would come out every morning to say Mass from us. You know, the last one to go was Father Vol. You know, his his only lately he left for, for the Lord, but uh, we had all the MEP fathers coming to see mass for us. But then, um, side by side, of course, we would um, uh, we hadn't even started the school. We would be sitting out at night time. And we'd see a car coming. We'd say, "Oh, another case for the maternity. There's a baby arriving." So in the beginning, it was very much the, a lot of the sisters, of course, were international and a lot of them were nurses because um, we had closed down, we had been kind of despair, this, yeah, sent out of China and some had come here and then they had got some a fresh staff of sisters from Australia. So we were very international, which was lovely. That was a lovely part of the, uh, you know, of coming on the missions that uh, yeah, our French came in. We had to speak a lot of French because many of the sisters were from, you know, continental Europe and didn't know English either. And gradually we had to pick up a little bit of Bahasa, of course, especially as we stayed on later. But it was started with the maternity home, which eventually developed um, into the Asunta Hospital. The Hogan's, of course, had a lot to do with that. Michael Hogan, they had no children, and his wife was very involved and helped Mother Colm Kill, who was the superior then, happened to be another Irish sister who'd been in Africa, also had been in China, and uh, she was, she was, she came from Singapore with 50 ringgit, to start the Asunta convent in Malaysia. So she always said, 50 ringgit and column kill is nothing, but 50 ringgit and column kill and Almighty God is everything. <laughs> that was, that was, the, that was the, the spirituality that we started out with. And she got this very simple house down in Road 4, and gradually, I think through her, 
faith also in the Lord. She, she managed to do miracles and people were very generous. Of course, we had to go around there knocking at doors, asking them to send people to the school because we weren't known and people would go past, of course, they'd go to Book and Nanus, which was very well established. So we had to start from scratch and lay the foundations and try to give maybe a, a different kind of spirit maybe in the educational field, I think, perhaps. Hope, hopefully, yeah. Well, sister, was the was people, the people around, around very receptive to sisters coming, coming to Malaya? Oh, I, th I think so, because, you know, um, it was another element to the, they were, because uh, the people in the old town didn't have anything much, just the market and all that. And I suppose having a, a, a maternity home especially was a great asset to a young, there were a lot of young families, you know, who had been taken out. The communists were around at the time and they had brought them here to stop uh, aging, you know. And so it was a great facility in many ways. And I suppose the school also, uh, we had started with, kin you said, Kevin, you were in the kindergarten at one yes. stage. <laughs> of course, we had we had uh, the second bungalow. You know, one bungalow was a maternity home, and the other one, one room was for the kindergarten in the mornings, I think, and in the afternoons. Then we had the, the primary school, and then we had overage girls, you know, who had nowhere to go. And we had um, commercial classes, typing, shorthand, and uh, improving their English for them also, yeah. And, and so, Sister, when you, when you started the school, how many students did you have at the very beginning? Oh, very few. I think we went... Now, the first form, the first standard one was only, I think, with only two classes like that. And we had to kind of go around to make sure we didn't have for a second test. We went all down here to my left at the back, you know. It was developing and knock at the door, send your daughter to a Sunda sort, sort of thing. After a number of years, we were saying, oh, enough, enough, go, go somewhere else. It was very, we had to kind of make our name, I suppose, a little bit. Yeah. We weren't known and, uh, yeah. But sister, you know, when when you started the school, I mean, that was your your first posting, kind of your your, your very first mission uh, outside yeah. of Ireland. Uh, what what was what was then your vision for the school when you started the school? Uh, yeah, I think when I came to Malaya first, there were a, a, there was a great need to for. You know, the internationality that we have as FMMs to kind of to instill this locally here to get the Chinese and the Indians, the Malay, you know, the, the intermingling of their races was something very important to give that spirit that we're all one family and that we see the the value in each one, no matter what religion, no matter what cultural background. I think that was one one very strong uh, element when we were starting out. To, uh, but I suppose before that, I mean, it had been done in other 
with with the La Salle and the so many mission schools, the IGs in other towns. But here in PG, I suppose we had to begin getting the, the first of all, racial harmony, I think was very important. And of course, to give them the spirit of the gospel and thinking of others and helping people, the, the, you know, the disadvantaged. I don't know if we had the terminology that we're using today, but basically, I think that was that was one of the main things, as well as you know, getting them, uh, de developing them so that they could, you know, professionally advance in life and bring bring up their economical situation. A lot of them were quite poor, you know, down in the old town. We didn't have any of those nice bungalows that you see in PG today. They were the simple uh, houses, you know, with... Well, I think that they may have tiled roofs as they developed. The earlier part was just galvanized roof and very simple, short, you know. And with the winds that we have today, they would have been blown over <laughs> with one blast. Very simple. Gradually, as they came off in life, they they developed, and that part of PJ is still quite okay now today. Yeah. Apart from uh, racial racial harmony, sister, just to get a, an idea of what it was like back then, uh, what about religion? Uh, how did the different religions uh, were they very peaceful and harmonious? Uh, mutual respect among different religions. Um, I'm trying to remember the early days. I think, you know, it was maybe only later after independence that, you know, that uh, when the Tunku came and developed, you know, the, got, got us into our Malaysia. When Malaya became Malaysia, maybe then there was gradually uh, more emphasis of who is who because some were getting perhaps, they had their friends in good high places and were doing better than others. And maybe it got a little bit, at the beginning, you didn't feel that so much. But um, it's because I think before they came and lived together in the same town that they, they hadn't intermixed that much. They had come from uh, different kampongs and then they'd put into this separate town. But this thing of... Um, Independence, I think, made it more difficult. And we had a lot of, especially in the schools afterwards, we had, I mean, you had to be more and more be careful, especially in religious line, line when the religions came up, you know, and, uh, well, we had to watch where we were going. I was glad, though, that I came before Merdeka, so I was able to get, become a Malaysian citizen. You know, all the other sisters who were here just got four years, four years and out, maximum of eight years. And they were able to stay and build up the hospital, thank God. But uh, they all had to go. But um, two of us, one sister from Sichuan, Sister Letizia, were you in her kindergarten? Yes. yes. She and I got the citizenship the same day because we were here before Merdeka. For two, for many years, we had almost the same IC card. 
7780500 I was and she was 7780499 I <laughs> think we got the blue card but I think you know I I think then um you know all that thing that the, even in the convents the fact that this the sisters couldn't stay created a lot of problems because we had to try to get local people to come and to take over and of course um if we had the same problems in the convent about citizenship people outside also had you know some problems they couldn't get jobs and you had to kind of help to bring peace and to, to be franciscan and to be like saint francis bring peace and joy more than division so uh, i suppose at that time uh, i think it was as the years went on it got worse but then hopefully nowadays and down the years as you can see we've all done a little bit better i hope along the way with the with the church helping and with vatican too and all that vatican too made a great difference in our lives you know before vatican too i could never ever ever again go home because we had the fmm uh, FMM rule was very strict when I joined and left that was supposed to be forever I couldn't never go back again but when Vatican II came then we got we could go first after 10 years then after 7 years then after 5 years so now you it's down to 5 years but now I'm too old to go anyway but um I mean at the same time that we were the church was also uh, advancing and it helped a lot i think in that thing of us being also being able to be more openly um you know give, uh, giving a nice um and having good relations with other religions before that you know we were very church was very strict and i mean nowadays you can say and do things because we have pope francis and we have the different mentality um when you look back it was thank god those years are gone i'm saying now that we can be much more open and uh, you know with our uh, with our muslim friends like when i every sunday night i sit here and i write a thought of the week for the alumni one of my main uh, works now because i can't get around so much as with the alumni of the school so every Sunday night I put a thought of the week and they get it, you know, no matter what religion they are. I mean, before Vatican II, I don't think I would have been excommunicated with some of the stuff. <laughs> and very often on Monday morning, it's Hartini, who is the, one of the girls I'm proud of, who founded that uh, down in Chalkit Road for the, you know, the children, the victims uh, in Chalkis Road, or maybe Jamila Mahmoud, who founded M M Mercy Malaysia. And, and uh, very often it's the Malay girls, I find, who, who will say to me, oh, thank you, sister. I had it, uh, Your thoughts helped me this week very much. You know, so I also am freer not to have too many holy, holy stuff, you know, that, <laughs> that won't go down with everybody. Uh, so I suppose both how the church has advanced and how openness in the country also has 
made this all this question of the interreligion much easier. Mm. Sister, anyway, I'm going to put you in a, in a little bit of a spot and ask you a question. You know, uh, education is a is a topic that is that is talked about very often these days. Uh, you know, it's in the media, uh, and education has taken on a different form also. If you were starting off again today, you know, um, mm. how would you visualize education for Malaysia? You know? Very tough question. <laughs> 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 I listen to the BBC a lot and they always say, oh, that's a very, very, very good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, let me give you a bit of time. I mean, you, you were a pioneer. I mean, you started something new uh, at that time. And I guess, you know, at that time, some people would have considered it as revolutionary. You know, you're starting something new. As you said, very small class. People were suspicious. But yeah. today, you know, there, there are lots of uh, opinions out there of how education should be. Uh, earlier on, we had uh, Brother Augustine uh, who said that, you know, Maybe today the, the emphasis is a lot on, on the academics or getting A's, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, the other aspects of the human formation is forgotten. Um, how would you visualize, I mean, if you were given a clean slate, you know, in the sense, uh, or maybe even a magic wand, uh, <laughs> uh, how, how would you visualize education in, in, this, in, this, new, in this new century? Yeah. What would be I, needed for us? Yeah. Well, you know, one thing, I mean, if, if, that I would say, I mean, without going into the education thing, as a general principle, whatever would develop the heart rather than the head. Like when, the, that's fine, I had mentioned earlier, Jamila Mahmoud and those, when they asked me, who are the outstanding uh, uh, Asuntarians, everybody would have expected me to say, Zeti, Bank Nagara, Governor. And I would say, Jamila Mahmoud, any day, because, you know, she started Mercy Malaysia. And I feel that the education system generally should be that way to develop the humanity rather. Of course, the intellect has to be developed and you'll be nowhere without it. But there has been far too much emphasis on exams and grades and all that and getting degrees, whereas... Um, developing people who are who are who will be there to serve others and who will go out to serve rather than to see what they will get not what we get but what we give uh, that's one of the big thoughts in the center not what we get but what we give measures the worth of the life we live so that in education the the whole emphasis should the philosophy of life should be developing our humanity to help others no matter how. And of course, in the context of Malaysia, I think um, with the way the world is going now, English should be emphasized. I mean, at the moment now, I'm reading our own FMM um, newsletters and all that. And even though we're such an international order, now it has come that English has to be the first language. English, I think French is the second language. So I think from the point of view of the, the, you know, the medium of instruction, 
mainly, and then of course you have to have the language for the different Chinese and the Tamils and the Malays in this country to have a certain time of the in the timetable, but. The main subjects should be through the medium of English, so that when they read and when they when they want to interact internationally, they're well able to to do so. But should be also anything that develops the heart rather than the head. I I shouldn't say rather than, but as well as perhaps, yeah. You know, sister. Sometimes when we have uh, conversations, uh, you know, with people who've uh, who've uh, been in school in the '60s and '70s, they often say that you know the standard of teachers, you know, was different back then. You know, today the standard of teachers have dropped. First of all, uh, would you agree with that? And if you do, then uh, how do we improve the standard of uh, teaching and teachers in the country? I think. Very often now, the 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 what is it? The reason for what's happened is the selection at the beginning. I mean, there is sadly, uh, you know, when you come for choice of uh, into training colleges and all that, there is not a equal balance. I think the first thing there should be a a, a better balance of the the different races in the country, so that each one with their different capacities and the different gifts that God has given them can be developed and can then give back to the to the staff. I mean, most of our schools now are sadly badly balanced in the racial makeup of the staff. I think that that is something very basic. I don't know if it is very diplomatic to say it openly but i think that that is that is one big reason if you're asking me very to be very honest that you must give give a, a fair balance of the eurasians indians chinese malays everybody but uh, it looks as if you know some we must get a prime minister who has the courage the Minister of Education who has the courage to take that step and to make it easier, even for the headships. Now, when we're, I just had a conversation this afternoon because the Prince of Rosunta will be retiring next year. And then when you want to choose a principal for the school, you're very limited with the system of education. I, I, but I think at the moment... We're hoping, you know, now that we have brought Sabah and Sarawa into our Christian Schools Council thing, that we will have more say at the ministry. And of course, we are openly as Christians, as Catholics, telling the ministry that they have to do something about this. So if the, the headship, you have to start with the headships to have it open very widely to the different uh, the different nationalities and also the makeup of the teachers in the school that would bring about a big difference I think but uh, whether you, you want to put this on the Straits Times or at the start tomorrow <laughs> might be sent back to Ireland <laughs> you, have, you, 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 have a, you have a you have a Malaysian citizenship so you are Malaysian 
<laughs> As you have already reminded you. us. No, I had this to, one, yeah. this, this I had one to sacrifice my Irish passport, yeah. There's there's one thing that that I I would like to ask you. You know, I mean, you are both an educationist and a religious. And as a young priest, when I was in Assumption, I've always heard, you know, the FMM sisters uh, going to visit homes, you know. And and I'm sure you have met, gone to homes of of your students. Mm -hmm. Um, If there is one story that, that kind of stands out that you remember, a visit of, you know, something that, made an impact on you. I'm sure there are many stories and we could go on talking. Uh, we're going to talk about your book and I'm sure you've written a lot of stories. Is there one story of your, an encounter going to someone's home uh, as a religious and educationist that has kind of stuck with you all these years? Gosh, don't let me see. <laughs> you know, I've so, come to the stage now that yes. I hardly know. You know, I said, I don't think I have Alzheimer's yet. <laughs> but the first thing that has gone with me are names, names of people. Even today, I have to ask, what's the name of the priest who's running Can Magazine? Don't worry, it happens happen to all of us. Don't worry. So to think of an, uh, there must be a lot with, let's see, oh my goodness, down the years. So, what's it that made an in, uh, impact, impact, is yeah. it? Yes. Because that's what I've always, I, I mean, I, I've heard when I was, as I said, as a young priest, the nuns going home, going, doing home visitation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those, those things, uh, visiting the poor, uh, you know, uh, doing uh, human development work. I'm sure education, yeah. providing education was one of it. Yeah, sure, yeah. And then very often, you know, if I'm trying to see was there any specific one. You know, very often if the girls were in trouble and that, I would have gone, you know, and something okay. like that if they had played truant. And <laughs> <laughs> I had to call the parents in, this kind of thing, and how the parents reacted. Or they were caught down in Tamanjaya with the La Salle boys. And... Wow. Uh, uh, so I, so I, I guess, sister, that's that's what makes the difference. I think between what you all did and today is that you took a personal interest in the lives of students. Mm-hmm. That you went, you went to their homes, you know, if they were in trouble, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, to to make a difference. Oh, they and, reminded me of when they had gone off to, you know, into the they were down in the A and W with the sandboards or something like that. They tell me that even when they were in the skating rink, I went and put on the skates and flew around and got them back to school and called the parents, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I think that your your question, Father Terence, is more um, that moved my heart or something, isn't it? And so seeing the home, is it? If you do remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I put down the thing, I'll say, you know, now when I'm trying to think of something five minutes later, it'll come like that when you're not trying to think. But there must have been so many. um, You see, I've been, especially when people died, I would go even even nowadays on the Facebook, when somebody passes away, I will always put something in. But I've been to so many homes, you know, when if there was some tragedy, I think there are so many that just at the moment there isn't anyone that supersedes the other one. Sure. I was thinking, oh, 
I, I think the, the point that, that you, you bring up is also that personal touch. And I think yeah. uh, that's something that, you know, uh, yeah. is admirable. It, yeah. It's but just something not... that comes down the years also is that um, now she's, it's a Malay girl. And um, now she's on Facebook with her two boys. But when she was a little baby, her mommy and daddy went to Mecca. And I went to the house. They were over there in section, the Kampong Tunku side, a lovely house. And, you know, and played with them and all that. And they were not. And both of them died in Mecca. They were killed in an accident, you know. And, uh, of course, when that happened, I went and I saw the grandparents. And then I said, I took that little girl and we said, we will look after her when she comes. And now she's been through the school and now she has her own family. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the way that it was uh, her grandparents accepted, you know, even though we were sisters and, and, and Christians, that they would kind of look as like we were the first sister Letizia and I were there together and that we were accepted. But it was a, it was a lovely moment for me being Catholic and from Ireland that I could feel, you know, accepted that we offered like to be her mother and we're carrying down the years like that. That is one that was a very tragic thing where she lost both parents. Actually, it was one of our staff also. The mother was a teacher. The father, I think there were some of the very early, very well-educated Malays, those very dignified, very refined, you know, very open-minded, lovely people, you know, that you could hardly find personalities as nice as they were. And now we have her on our... She's on the... She's on the she's on the committee of the alumni also, and she's two little boys. Uh, yeah, Amazing. and usually I've forgotten the names, and I always have to say, "Is she the one whose mummy was?" <laughs> <laughs> she's the one. That that's one one thing that kind of I know that touched the heart. But like that, down the years, there are so many uh, situations. Yeah. So if you, if you ever wondered why Kevin puts the word Kachang in front of his name so that people could remember him and not forget the name <laughs> Kevin. So that's how it works. Well, what does the Kachang mean, by the way? <laughs> Someday we will like, interview him and ask him. Kachang, is it? He likes Kachang. Two Ks, yeah. is it? PK. Two Ks, yes. You know, St. Kevin, you know about your saint, do you, in, in Glendalock? No. Glendalough, no, no. You haven't been to I, Ireland if you go. I have not. I have not. It's the Glen, the, the means the, the Glen of the two lakes, Dowlock, you know. And St. Kevin was there that he came through. He, that's his beautiful place. I think it's one of the places anybody who's in Dublin will visit because it's nearby if you're ever in Dublin, Kevin. Oh, yeah. I shall go there, definitely. All I know is uh, Kevin is an Irish name, which means handsome. <laughs> oh, <is> that... <laughs> well, that's what they say. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Irish, yeah. Things, yeah. Sister, tell us, tell us a little bit about your book. Uh, you have a book that was written uh, some oh, years Lord. ago. After I retired, they said ah. I want to have this book, and I had no idea of ever writing a book, you know. 
and I hadn't anything. And then the the Nessa Mallow, she was the first head girl. So she was head girl. When we started here in the primary school, the secondary school was on the same grounds as the primary school originally before we moved over to Jalan Shanghai. And she was head girl there already until she left. And then when I retired, they wanted my book. And I said, oh, Lord, bless us. And anyway, I, they they chose Nessa Mallow because she was then lecturing in English at the university. And she would come here to the convent. And she had to drag the material out of me. And I would tell her a few things. And then she'd be back after a few days and would have a lovely chapter written. So I was looking at it last night and I said, oh, my goodness, she, the Hindu girl, you know, got on so, um, got, got the spirit so well. And a lot of it is thanks to her. She's still alive. She's down the road, but a little bit Alzheimer's at the moment. But I call her now and again. But uh, it's called Make Me an Instrument. You have a copy, Father, have you? I do, sister. Show us, sister. Show us the cover. Wait, let's put this thing down. Can you see? Wait, let's see. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Make me, uh, make me an instrument. Ah, wait. And then you have me and the, the old habit and on the bicycle in the school, <laughs> thing like that. The, the old habits we had, you know, like a, a board along here, and we had, and then after Vatican II, we changed, and now we can just, we don't have to bother anymore. It's not so much, it's more about the inside that counts now, not so much outside. I don't know if you know about my car I saw last night. You know, the, the car that nobody would buy, they said. B-A-D-513, the bad sister, May the 13th, and then it was May the 13th, 513. So, you know, were you, were, were you already alive on May the 13th, both of you? Had you been born yet, Kevin? No. no I, I was born already, sister. Lawrence <laughs> was born. No, I have no, I've, I'm so young, I have no memory of it, yeah. As I went to the new town and then I came back and I said, everybody's looking at me, everybody's looking at me. But afterwards they said, you know, anytime there was uh, Sunti girls carrying on with the La Salle boys, the BAD 513 would be seen flying around to bring them back and bring their neighbors in, their, yeah, their parents in. See, Father, last all boys, very bad influence. <laughs> Are you, you, oh, you're a book at Bintown? Yes. <laughs> you know, Mr. Bowler's time. Uh, no, just after, just after. McGregor, no? Uh, no, Konglam. Konglam. Oh, yeah. Oh, after after Mr. Sister, sister I, must, I must ask you this. You know, the brothers, the Christian brothers, and I, I've always teased them about this too. The Christian brothers were known to always have the cane up their sleeve. At least it's a, it's a myth. What's 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 the secret of the FMM sisters in school? Oh, the secret! I don't. I hope the cane wasn't. But I think the Russian boys is it? Because we have girls, I suppose. I don't know. But um, I believe. Um, I think I have it somewhere in the book there that um, 
my friend, I was very lucky, I think otherwise I wouldn't have stuck it in the convent, that I was so lucky that I had these lovely superiors. And the first one was so lovely. She'd been missionary in Liberia. And uh, Scots, half Scot, half Irish. But she, or she gave us kind of this motto. If you have to err, err on the kind side. And so I think she, she kind of gave us that spirit. And I think the last thing she would want is to stick up the sleeve, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's, that's, a very, that's, a, that's a very nice motto, uh, if you yeah. are to err, err on the kind side. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if you not, have to err, err on the kind side. Yeah, and so nice. sometimes you have to make a decision, you're not quite, quite sure, but err on the kind side. Yeah. Mother, mother, um, what's the name? Mother to turn. So and that's I something Kevin and I will remember, I guess. Kevin? Yeah. I remember that you have to err, err on the kind side. Yeah. And um, I suppose, uh, yeah, uh, with the girls then, you know, I suppose you, you get more, I think you get more back from people if you, if you are kind of gentle and understanding and compassionate and willing to make allowances. And to see the funny side, I think, is also good. To see the, the humorous side of things, you know, not to be too... I think, um, opposite the, the time they were caught, they talk in the book there, when they were caught stealing the Rambertons from the neighbours. And they thought I was going to kill them. You know, they were in the office and I said, you go home now and think about it and come back and you as a group, see what you can do. And they were the first Christian Union group in the school. So uh, they formed the Christian Union group. So I think it was, it was erring on the kind side, I think, and it, it developed something new in the school. And I think even down to today, I think they're much more active than the Catholics in the school, if you ask me. The, 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 the Protestant groups, they have something very, very, uh, I don't know, traditional and they stick to what they believe in. That those were the Ramberton bunch anyway, yeah. So sister, uh, right. you know, in the sense that, you know, as we come to the end of the, the show, um, if you, if you could, could give one advice you know, to current educators, or at least those who are considering, I, I wouldn't say a job, because for you it was a vocation, a vocation yeah. to be an educator. And I think that's a big difference between, you know, uh, doing it as a job and, and taking it on as a vocation. Mm -hmm. What would your advice be to current educators and those who are thinking of becoming an educator? Yeah. Just a lot there, wait. I think it's actually why don't I tell them if you have to err, err on the kind side <laughs> one and to think I think developing the heart rather than the head, developing of the heart and that uh, you know whatever time you have given if you have produced people who are thinking of others and going out to help others and to spread peace and kindness and make life more, yeah, you know, happier for others. 
at the end of the, your life, you won't regret it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's certainly a good good advice there from uh, sister. Um, maybe Father Clarence, uh, if we before we end the show, we can just take the lighter side of the interview and maybe we can ask sister about some of the things she liked about Malaysia. Uh, maybe how about the Malaysian food? What, is, <laughs> what do you like to eat, sister? <laughs> I'm hopeless where food comes in. <laughs> And I, and, I, and, I, and I hope you're not going to say Irish potatoes, sister. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think because I've had a lot of problems and I was admitted for ulcer and all that, that I somehow down the years, one of one of the things I haven't done is develop much, much um, appetite for local food because all the spicy things don't go well with me my cup of tea and my ice cream or that and <laughs> and not the coffee i was reading in my book the other night that when i the day i joined the convent you know in ireland and my mother was crying her eyes out because they were going to leave me there and go back and my dad said mommy dry your eyes don't worry She's going to have coffee, he heard out in the convent. Coffee for breakfast and silence all day. She'll be home in a week. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I'm the, I, I, somehow I didn't. Sati, of course, of course, if I get the nut. Sati would be my, my favorite uh, local food, especially the chicken sati. That would, that would be my, my favorite one. But uh, I'm not into the hot things you know except for the chinese chowza i'd like the chowza also because mm. i've with lots of chinese here of course in the in the community at the moment you know what chowzas are chowza chowza yeah uh, you know chowza it's a yeah. kind of a, a dumpling thing isn't it yes yes yeah, yeah. So uh, those would be my two favorite Chinese chowza, and I like fried rice, of course, also fried rice and chowza and and satay. But I'm still the the cup of tea. I have to have my three tea bags in my mug of tea every morning. Oh wow! that could be the, the secret of, of your of your long life. Yeah. Oh, I think the boat, the boat tea people. <laughs> I take in the morning for breakfast and there's afternoon tea. So I would have six bags every day, I think, of tea. Well, we, should, we, should, we should get you on, on an advertisement for them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The Catholic heads, yeah. I thought you were going, I had put a list of the, because I was in the school, I'm still, somebody said you'd be asking me what I'm still involved with, you know, even though I'm no longer in the school. Will I mention the yes. the, the Malaysian MCEC, the Malaysian Catholic Education Council, the MCSC, Malaysian Christian Schools Council, which has now been expanded to, KM, begins with, because now we've brought in Sabah and Sarawak. So now it's the something Malaysia, you know, the, the whole extension of that. And then um, uh, of the K I was very involved in the KLACR for years, but now I have had, that's the Kuala Lumpur Archdiocesan Religious. You know, I would have been to all the meetings 
And now that has been handed over to Sister Anna, a younger sister. So, you know, our time is, is finished here. Um, I would have uh, been also very involved down the years in the HEADS conference and uh, represented Malaysia at a conference in Taiwan some years ago. And, uh, of course, in the parish. Because um, when we were very active in the schools, we, we decided that the primary school would be more involved with Assumption Parish and the secondary school... Oh, I'm gone off. Did I hit something? No, no sister. No. You're still with us. Well, I can't see anything. You have to click something. Oh, you can hear me anyway, is it? Yes. yes. Uh, and uh, I, I clicked something funny, but I just see a little yellow thing there. Um. Uh, the secondary school revolved more with uh, SFX. So, of course, I was quite involved with SFX, not to be always stuck in the school. And I was in the parish council and the youth club and the choir and anything to do with the, you know, activities in the church down the years. But now that's all habits now. <laughs> I have to stay Amazing. home. Yeah. Amazing. So, did I press a button or something? Don't worry, yeah. sister, you're still with us. You're still on with us live. I'm still on. Oh, Catholics at home, it's there. Yeah. Okay. Right. And also we heard, sister, that uh, you have a face mask to sell for Asunta alumni. Oh, yesterday I saw on the Facebook. They have, they have, they have, they're produced, they have produced for the alumni and they're, and they're saying it would be a nice present to give people for Christmas or something. And asking yeah. the alumni to buy it. Some Asuntarians who are around, they have the, the symbol, the emblem of the Asunta. It's actually a shamrock. It, you oh. know, the shamrock is the, right. the Irish emblem and the emblem for the Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit with Asunta alumni there. And then I think they're selling them in packets of three or something like that. It just came out the other day when uh, Mark was talking to me, I was telling him that that thing came out, you know. Uh, but uh, they could get them from through the Asunta alumni. I think. So I guess uh, just before we end, uh, Sister, we have uh, one last question for you. Uh, what's your proudest moment of Asunta? And also, what is your hope for Malaysia? Oh, dear Lord, my proudest moment for Asunta. <laughs> hope for Malaysia is anyway that they will uh, will go on um, with more better inter, interracial and uh, respect for each other's uh, cultures and religions and that will keep on happily and more integrity and openness also, especially in political, those in political life to work with better integrity so that we will be happy, we'll go along happily and the country will develop and everybody, every, everybody will be well cared for, especially those less well off, that they will be remembered. 
Now, what's the other one? Happy. Happy is with the Sunja. Gosh, let me see. I'm sure there are many happy moments, proud moments for you. But I, I guess it kind of is summed up with, you know, a title that was offered to you, was given to you. Uh, and, oh, uh, oh, you're thinking that would have been, is it? I suppose. No, I mean, that's more... That's more in honor for the church and for the, you know, for others. It, me personally. A, a, rec a recognition of, of your contribution to education. I think um, so, yes. And yeah. and uh, that's Amazing. it. That the Sultan chose uh, a Catholic nun, I suppose, as, a, as the head of the Islamic head of the state. I suppose, yeah. I mean, accepting it on behalf of the church especially and my own order, that was... That was, of course, yeah. The death in Paducah. The yeah. Irish made a, a, a tralala, a big tralala about that lately. The St. Patrick's Society. You know, I don't know if you've been to the to the restaurant in 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 Bangser, the Healy Max. Have you, have <laughs> yeah. you heard of Healy Max? Yeah. Have you heard of Healy Max? Oh, sister, and then, are, are they are they paying you to say this, sister? <laughs> <laughs> and then they got to, they, they went and interviewed me there, you know, because they heard about this Irish nun getting this honor from the Sultan and all that. So I had to go for lunch there and all that. And while I was there, the, the owner of the mark asked me to cut the ribbon. He was having the official opening. And I said, oh, my goodness, I hope I don't get excommunicated. <laughs> opening the pub of Healy Max in Bugs. Well, as, 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 as I would like to say, they can take you out of Ireland, but they can't take the Irish out of you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing is I don't like Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> Although my father did. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much, sister, for being yeah. with us, uh, having this conversation with us, uh, yeah. Kevin. Yep. Right. Thank you very so much. Funny. All right. Thank you, Father, for your time also, and Mark for, for setting it up. Yeah. And All right. Yeah. Thank you for being an inspiration in the area of education for many people. Oh, uh, thank for what you, you've done. Many people remember you uh, uh, as, you know, if they think of Asunta, they think of you. Uh, right. I'm sure they have touched their lives in so many different ways. Uh, right. I think that's that's the best uh, accolade that anyone can give, that you have made a difference. You have inspired people to be All different. Right. Yeah, I think that's the best that, that right. you know. Thank you. And so thank you very much. Yeah, I hope I've made my parents proud also. I was thinking, you know, when you were asking me the questions earlier, there were seven of us. And out of the seven, actually four got religious uh, vocations. So I think it would be nice my mom and dad up there now to see that you have honored me like this this afternoon. Thank Amazing. you, Father. Thank you. Well, certainly a wonderful uh, conversation with uh, Sister Enda. Maybe Father Clarence, uh, shall we close with a prayer? Yes, Kevin. Let's let's conclude with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this after, this day that we are able to encounter Sister Ender, who has dedicated her life 
for education, for pastoral work, touched the lives of so many people to have left her homeland to come to us. We pray, Lord, that you continue to bless her with good health and bless the many other missionaries throughout the world. We pray for the FMM sisters and the work that they do, that they may truly be the salt and the light in our part of the world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank Father, you very much. All right, we've come to the end of the show. Once again, thank you for the clearance and, of course, our very special guests, uh, Datin Paruka, Sister Enda, Ryan, for being with us. And I'm sure a lot of us Ontarians uh, will be watching this program. We hope you enjoyed it. This is All Access with Sister Enda on Catholics at Home podcast. See you in the next show. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.